Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to another edition of March Madness 365. I'm Andy Katz from NCAA.com. We've got a very good show for you on, on this edition of our show. I'll be joined by Arizona State Head Coach Bobby Hurley, Wichita State Head Coach Greg Marshall, and West Virginia Head Coach Bob Huggins. Um, look, I think it's been a phenomenal start to the season. Uh, I still would say that it's pretty wide open, even though you've got at the top Michigan State in my power 36, Villanova in the AP. I've got them 1-2 in my order, 2-1 in the AP order in terms of uh, they've got Michigan State 2, Villanova 1, Arizona State, Duke, Xavier. Uh, they are right now the best teams in college basketball, but there's plenty of other teams that certainly could move up and push them and compete for Final Four berths and potentially win a national championship. Uh, what I love right now uh, certainly is that we're seeing a lot of high-level games in the non-conference, so everyone is, has been listening to the selection committee. Um, now, you could argue, okay, this time of the year we've had some of the, the guaranteed buy games, but overall, uh, even this last weekend where you had uh, the CBS Sports Classic and Kentucky taking on UCLA and Ohio State, which is still developing, taking on North Carolina, um, teams are willing to go out and play each other. You know, Tennessee Wake was a very good game the other day. Um, St. Bonaventure, Syracuse. There's been plenty of these games that, uh, you know, are between teams within the, the Power 5, Power 6, Power 7, Power 8, however high you want to go. Uh, Gonzaga going to San Diego State. You know, quality games on home courts at this time of the year. That's probably the best thing, I think, for the sport. And even out to having those tournaments where you have the Diamond Head Classic, where Miami – uh, lost to New Mexico State, a team that I think people are going to have to watch if they get into the NCAA tournament out of the whack. Uh, these face-to-face teams, you know, in, in these neutral site games, you know, I, I think they are the best thing for the sport. The more that you can have these teams play these neutral site games in these tournaments, I think uh, will only help. And the NCAA selection committee, as we said at the beginning of this podcast a couple weeks ago with Bruce Rasmussen, who's the selection committee chair, uh, they're going to be looking more and more for how many road neutral games you play because under the new quadrant system, you know, those are going to be weighted more if you've played and won road and neutral games. Um, one thing I want to point out, because there's been a lot of back and forth on my Power 36, for example, where I have Arizona ahead of Purdue right now. Yes, face-to-face matchups matter, but when they're played is also a factor and how a team is playing and who they've beaten since then has to be put into the equation. So that's why... You have to look at that matchup. You also have to look at an Oklahoma-Arkansas matchup, you know, a Houston-Arkansas matchup, you know, what teams have done since those matchups, what team won early, what teams are doing after that. And so in the case of Arizona and Purdue, as much as I love the way Purdue's playing right now, Arizona has played a better schedule since that matchup and won the games, uh, including beating Texas A&M in Phoenix. So uh, that's why I end up moving those teams up and down. A couple other quick points before we get to our guests. Number one, um, scheduling with 20 games for the Big Ten and the ACC next season. I'm hoping that's not going to eliminate some of these games. 
even though coaches don't want to play too many of them, they want to make sure they get those non-conference games. And, and I know they got to get the home games for their scheduling for uh, revenue, and I get that. But if you can also have home and homes and balance your schedule over the course of, you know, two, three years or whatever the year period you're going to rotate it around, uh, I think are critical to continue these kinds of series that we're seeing in the month of December and certainly November. Um, Duke has not been in the headlines lately, really, since they lost to Boston College. They had a long break over December. They obliterated Evansville. They're going to start the ACC. They're going to play Florida State. Trust me, they'll be back in, and they are as much a, a contender for the national championship as Michigan State, Villanova, Xavier, Arizona State, anyone else, just because they lost that one game at BC that does not diminish in any way Duke's chances to win the national championship and be a team that we're all going to be talking about, I think, quite a bit over the next couple of months. And then the Wofford win over North Carolina. That's what we love about the NCAA tournament, and that's why the regular season has great value, because that's a win that Wofford will remember for the rest of their lives, anyone that participate in that. It'll be an iconic win for the school. It'll be something that, uh, you know, the coaching staff, the players, they'll use this season, next season, and beyond. Uh, we've seen that when wins like that have occurred. So, and also it's a great tool, I think, for North Carolina. Got to wake up. Cannot uh, fall asleep against anyone. And uh, whether or not Wofford makes the NCAA tournament or Ball State, which won at Notre Dame, these are wins that matter. Uh, in the regular season. And that's just another reason why the regular season has value. So don't let anyone tell you that it doesn't. All right, let's start out our show with Arizona State head coach, Bobby Hurley. And now joining us here on March Madness 365, Arizona State head coach, Bobby Hurley. And uh, Bobby, I got to take, you know, a little credit nationally because I think I was driving the bus. I think I might've been right in that driver's seat promoting Arizona State right from the get-go. Is that true in Tempe? Is there a feeling of that? I mean, I noticed it, Andy, with, with your 36. I, we, we showed up in that a, a lot sooner than a lot of other uh, publications. So it was, uh, I'm glad that you were, uh, you know, you, you were with us from the beginning and you, you might have watched our San Diego State game. That, that might have been an early indicator of, uh, you know, some, some of the things that we were going to be able to accomplish this year. Well, it's been great watching you guys develop and, and each obstacle you guys have hurdled over. So let's go back to a couple of those. Uh, the one that I think caught people off guard that maybe weren't paying attention was the manner in which you guys pulled away from Xavier in that second half in Las Vegas. What was it about that second half that maybe told you something about this team? Well, I think the uh, it starts with the seniors and, and their determination to win and uh, their desire to win. And, you know, they've all had you know very good individual careers. You know, Shannon Evans and, and Trey Holder are both, you know, over, well over a thousand point scorers. And, uh, you know, Trey Holder's climbing the charts in school history in, in, in those departments. And, you know, we wanted to add uh, winning to the equation and postseason. And, you know, we knew that we had to get off to a great start in the non-conference. And, you know, we're not a traditional program that people consider to, to go to the NCAA tournament year in and year out. So we were going to have to, you know, possibly even prove more. Uh, you know, with our resume uh, and the quality of our wins. And in the Xavier game in particular, I thought, you know, our defense uh, in the second half was good, especially on the ball with Remy Martin. He brings something unique to our team defensively uh, with his ball pressure. And, you know, I think we were able to get some steals. And the pace that we play and the conditioning that, that we're in enables us to do that. And, and I thought uh, they might have worn down some as we were continuing to hit our best gears late in the game. And what about Kansas? What was it about that matchup, especially when it came, 
Kansas had just lost to Washington and Kansas City. You guys are riding high. Uh, and the euphoria I saw in that post game after, I mean, what was it about that win you think that catapulted this team even maybe to another level? Well, I think all the film study, and we talked about it, you know, going into that game, that everything Kansas had shown um, on film is, is getting off to a really fast start, you know, in Allen Fieldhouse this year. They've they've put teams away in the first half, so we knew they were going to come out with great energy, especially with the loss to Washington, and we needed to, you know, get through their initial burst, which we were able to survive that and, and put ourselves back in the game and just kind of gradually chip away at it. You know, and then I just think the unpredictability of our team plays in our favor because the guards could really score at all three levels. They they could shoot the deep three. They could put pressure on the rim because they could go off the dribble, you know, and then they, they have the good, you know, those mid-range and floater shots too. So it's – uh and 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 they're unselfish, you know. We're uh, we're moving the ball. We're getting the right shot within a possession. And I think you know our offense puts uh, you know a lot of pressure on on the opponent. What did you see when you first saw Trey Holder and Shannon Evans that you you could maybe you know I'm not saying that you knew for sure, but you could at least speculate or uh, you know say okay, you know, in a couple of years they could become you know this what we're seeing now. What, what did you see a few years ago when you first got there? Well, I mean, I, I saw, you know, Trey, um, you know, have, have glimpses, uh, you know, in his freshman year and, in, in, you know, looking back on his first year. And then I obviously wasn't with him that year, but um, he really added more consistency that next year and has con- continued to build on that, you know, to the point that, you know, I think both of those guys, you know, are NBA point guards and uh, just fortunate, you know, to be in this position to have seniors that – have developed and have gotten better that are, uh, you know, statistically have it great seasons, but in a, it's not only that it's, it's again, their will to win, you know, and, and Evans has been a winner with me from uh, really from day one at Buffalo and, and nothing's really changed in that regard. And uh, so, and, and Shannon's always been willing to play a little more off the ball if, if I needed him to. And, and, and I think Trey is a little better, you know, as an initiator, but, you know, even Trey this year has has uh, has gotten off the ball and found his spots to, you know, to cash in a three. You know, as Remy Martin needs needs to have the ball, so we're we're managing to make it work. You know, sometimes with several uh, several point guards on the floor. So the point production is, I mean, it's crazy. Sometimes it's like monopoly numbers. I mean, and I think back to when you played at Duke. I mean, you had Leitner in the middle. You had Grant. Obviously, you like to push it when you could. Um, how much is this you saying, you know, this is the way I really wanted to play or want to play versus this is the personnel that I think this style fits best? I think it's a combination of both. But in in my vision of, of what I saw Arizona State basketball, this is pretty close. I, I want, um, you know, uh, an up-tempo game. I want guys to be able to play off their instincts. I want us to you know, have a plan to, to utilize the guards in ball screens in a variety of different ways and uh, and give them a chance to, you know, to play quick. Uh, you know, I, I haven't felt under any significant pressure this year when we were losing by double figures in any game because I just know how explosive, you know, our offense can be. And uh, as good as the guards have been, I think, you know, one of the underrated factors has just been – how much production we're getting out of our front court now relative to last year. And Romello White is, is a guy that's got a big future here as, as a, 
as a redshirt freshman, averaging 16 and, and 8 uh, a game. And, and we could throw it to him on the block, and he could get us a basket if, uh, if I feel we're shooting too many threes or we're not you know, going in, on the inside game enough. And then Daquan Lake is you know, uh, a junior college guy that is, uh, has played very well and is in our last game had seven blocks. So he's adding something to our defense and our rebounding. You know, a lot of coaches have tried. Um, the last time, you know, they obviously they had James Harden. You know, you've had Rob Evans, Bill Feeder, Rob Evans, Herb Sendek. How much do you think, though, this kind of style, this high-octane offense with the right guys and you guys are having a great time playing, fits also Tempe, Phoenix, you know, in the ability to draw people in, which has been an issue at times, you know, for this program to really be a program, a destination where – they could actually fight for that entertainment dollar in a crowded market in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, Andy, I've felt the enthusiasm. Uh, you know, it's everywhere I go, and people are, are just commenting about not only us winning and you know winning at Kansas and Xavier and uh, and some of these games, but just the style and and how we do it, and just getting the comments about how how much fun our, our team is to watch and uh, how hard they play and. You know, I think uh, a lot of people could relate to our guys. I mean, we have we a lot of times we have three three players on the floor that are six feet and under, and 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 they're scrambling out there and and causing havoc, just creating turnovers, getting out in the open court, and uh, you know, so it's it's a fun team to watch, a fun team to coach. Uh, you don't always know what they're going to do out there, but it's it's usually pretty good. So the Arizona game, the first of two in this series this season. Right off the bat, uh, in Tucson, they're obviously playing the best basketball of the season for them after a rough start to the beginning of the season. What does this team need to do, especially probably uh, in regards to DeAndre Ayton, to come out of Tucson with a win? Well, I mean, it's it's just a difficult game as we'll play maybe all year in terms of the opponent and, and the venue and uh, the rivalry and the whole thing that's in it. And so we uh, got to have a great week of practice. Uh, you know, we got to find a way to uh, survive on the interior, just with uh, you know, with their size. And and Aton is you know one of the great players to come into college basketball in uh, in a long time. So, got to try and do a good job there. We got to you know rebound collectively and try and avoid some foul issues. You know, with our front court and uh, and then from there we just have to be who we are and uh, and play our style and and hope that that's good enough. You know, and I think back in your career with uh, two titles at Duke, you know, your time at Sacramento, obviously the horrific accident, you come back from that just personally and, and, and health-wise, and then you work, you work your way back up as an assistant to your brother, to being a head coach, to now at Arizona State. How, do you, how would you compare what you're experiencing now as a head coach, undefeated, top five team in the country, uh, to what you've had in the past in your career? Well, I mean, it's been a long journey, and, and I'm glad that I've done it the way I've done it. And, uh, you know, just having a chance to work with Dan and, and learn from him and uh, spend the time that I can spend with my brother, you know, one of my best friends, and, and uh, to be able to share those those moments, have, you know, a great season at Wagner, and then being in that, that first year with him at Rhode Island as he began to, to build that program up. and. You know, I, I learned so much. I think it prepared me to as much as I felt I knew to to really run a program. And uh, you know, so many of the drills that we do, even at Arizona State, are things that that Dan did at at Wagner and Rhode Island. And so uh, those those were uh, invaluable years. And then 
to be a head coach at a mid-major level where you got to work with players, develop players. You're not getting McDonald's All-Americans. And, you know, to be able to take that program to the tournament for the first time, it was uh, take a lot of pride in that. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of pressure. It's a, you're not going to get in that large bid, so you're dealing with uh, – you know, unusual pressure at that mid-major level. But, you know, all those experiences, you know, have helped me and prepared me to, to be a head coach at Arizona State. Yeah, you definitely earned it. And one last thing, Bobby, we appreciate you taking some time. And, you know, I saw your dad at a Rhode Island game. I think it was the one in Brooklyn. Um, you know, Danny's having a great year. They could potentially win the A-10. I think they're no question an uh, NCAA tournament team. Same for you guys. H- how has that worked with your dad sort of bouncing between the two uh, where he's got two programs to – pay attention to that uh, more than likely uh, I'd be shocked if they're not not just in the tournament but have pretty good seeds yeah we talked uh, on Christmas my dad and I and he he gave me some of his recent thoughts about the team and you know he's really excited about about us and and watching us and and how you know my team plays and you know he's like anybody he's more like a fan than, than a coach or something very just there to support what we're doing and uh you know, he loves Mickey Mitchell, my my uh, uh, my forward that's just got back, and he's had a chance to watch him now a couple of games, and loves how hard he plays, and you know what he brings to our team, and uh, so he's it's always great to have someone that has his knowledge base to to be able to talk about basketball and and things that he might see. We well, appreciate Bobby. Looking forward to seeing you uh, as you go against Arizona this weekend and throughout the course of the season. I'm driving that bus. I'm not. I'm not giving up that seat. <laughs> No, Andy, you're you're a day one guy, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, thanks, Bobby. All right, take care, man. And when we come back, I'll be joined by Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall. And now joining us here on March Madness 365, Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall. And Greg, uh, I want to get a couple injury updates first, if we could, as you guys get ready to start the American Athletic Conference season on the road at UConn on Saturday, December 30th. Uh, what's the latest on Marcus McDuffie? Andy Marcus uh, was able to participate in some practices pre, pre-Christmas. And um, in our last game on the 22nd against Florida Gulf Coast, uh, he actually was able to participate in um, about nine to ten minutes of game action. Uh, he got a four or five-minute stint in the first half and same in the second half. So as long as he didn't have any setbacks from that while he was home over the holidays, uh, he should be good to go this evening when we commence uh, practice for the, the conference play upcoming. Um, it, the foot doesn't seem to be a problem now. It seems to be healed, but it's just a matter now of basketball shape that he's going to have to try to get in. And once he's in that shape, what kind of difference does he make? Well, he's a, he's a very good player. Um, there's no doubt about that. He's got size, talent, skill, athleticism. He plays hard. Uh, he defends. Last year, he was our leading scorer, leading rebounder, and also had the most steals on our team. So he's a guy that, you know, you can plug into several different positions and, and make you better. Now, he, he did not play particularly well the other night. Uh, he just seemed to be so amped up that he was rushing things and took a bad shot and lost his man in transition. But he did make three or four free throws. So, But the the key is getting him back now so that he can get those – jitters and, and all the nerves uh, out of the way. He did miss 11 games. And Landry Shaman, obviously he's been playing, but uh, how would you rate his sort of health? Because he was obviously dealing with a nagging injury at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, he he also had a foot problem, uh, but he was able to get cleared just as we were playing our exhibition games and our scrimmages. So he was able to participate in our first game, though we he was limited in those first couple of games. Uh, and then we extended his minutes uh, by the time we got to Maui. But he seems fine with the foot. I mean, it's it's just a matter now of him continuing to evolve as a point guard and a leader for our program. And he's a very fine player, as you know. So, look, the Notre Dame loss, uh, Maui, late game, you know, not a crazy deal. You know, Trey Young comes in there with Oklahoma into uh, the city, which uh, not obviously the roundhouse uh, in Trust Arena. And, and look, Trey Young has been phenomenal this season. Clearly, uh, I think the leader in the clubhouse right now for player of the year, their team is playing better and better. You saw him firsthand. What were your impressions? Well, you wouldn't get any argument for me on that. Um, kid was phenomenal. I knew he was really good. I didn't know he was quite that good. I loved him in AAU, of course, playing for Mocan here in the area. Got a chance to watch him a lot. Didn't didn't have a chance to recruit him, unfortunately. But I just think that uh, he 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 can shoot the ball, not quite like Steph Curry, but he has deep range and he, he has playing with a, a lot of confidence and freedom. Coach Kruger's uh, given him the the keys to the Ferrari, if you will, and <laughs> he's doing a great job of uh, running that offense. And what I was most impressed with is his touch on passing. Um, He's got a real feel for the game, and he sees things a little bit before most young players see them, and then he has a great touch. So it's kind of a combination of Chris Paul, uh, uh, Steve Nash, along with a Steph Curry jump shot. So I just think uh, uh, he's going to be hard. If he stays healthy and and they they stay healthy, he's going to be hard to guard. That team's going to be hard to guard because of him. Now, you guys obviously hard to guard as well, and you guard very well. And you start this American uh, Conference season at UConn uh, on Saturday. And this feels like it's been a long time coming to sort of climb up to uh, another level within the NCAA in terms of a higher level league than the Valley from top to bottom. What are your emotions going through right now that as you, as you take this program to that next level? You've been to the highest level in the postseason, obviously getting to a Final Four and and being a top seed and all that, but now within the regular season, what's it feel like to now take this program to that next level within a conference? Well, it's it's certainly a sense of accomplishment. We feel like now uh, we're we're going to be competing with other programs that really have accomplished quite a bit uh, in the course of time for college basketball. The likes of UConn, we lead off right on CBS this coming Saturday. A noon tip on the East Coast. Um, they've won three national championships in the last 20 years, and that's that's Duke-like. And, um, and you've got Memphis with their storied program, Cincinnati with their storied program, and and uh, Mick Cronin and, and Tubby Smith both can really coach. And uh, what Steve uh, with with what Jankovic is doing now down at uh, SMU, and and Johnny Dawkins is doing at Central Florida. Uh, there's just a lot of teams. Temple. Kel- I mean, Kelvin Sampson at uh, Houston. Kelvin yeah, Sampson at Houston's having a yeah. great year. It's, there's so many good coaches, so many good programs, and and you, you you don't have a night off. You really, if you play poorly, you're going to lose in this particular league. You know, there may be a couple of games where you can slip by, but, but top to bottom, it's a really good basketball conference with some named programs. 
quality coaches and great players. And so how much do you think that will translate to preparing this team for the tournament, even though you guys have played very well in the tournament? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you go back our, the last six years, I think uh, our record is something like 11-6 and six in the postseason play. Um, if you if you count the year before in the NIT when we won five games, it's 16-6. and six. It's something like that. So we've been good in the postseason play. The Valley, that hasn't been a problem for us. Uh, but this should definitely prepare us, uh, if we're fortunate enough to, to get to that NCAA tournament, to, to make a run. The other thing, too, Greg, is I think that you guys were always the game. You know, the game, best crowd, go Evansville, Indiana State, wherever you guys went, you were the game. And I, I don't know, I just have a feeling this season it's going to be the same. Even though you're the new kid, you're highly ranked, you're still going to be the game. So how much do you think that will sort of be somewhat comparable, now better arenas, maybe better crowds to, at some of the spots, that it's something you guys have already experienced anyway? Well, you're right. And I, I think, Andy, it's already happened this year just simply because it's Wichita State across the front and there's a number attached. And, and it's been a single-digit number. It's been uh, as high as like 11. But we've been ranked very, very uh, highly this year. So when, when we play the likes of Oklahoma, they don't they come ready. And, and they were really, really good. Uh, the championship game against Notre Dame, the, the semifinal game against Marquette and Maui, uh, at Baylor, at Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma State had gotten four or five thousand fans, and when we came in, it was it was almost packed, if not packed, in Iba Gallagher Arena. So, um, the the games against Florida Gulf Coast and the College of Charleston, South Dakota State, those teams come in and they're amped. They think they can try to beat a ranked team on their own floor, and we've been getting some really quality shots from these other teams. Look, no one knows better than you, you know, in terms of the talent you've had, the fit, how good these teams are. And, I, you know, I, oh, this is his, this could be his best team ever. And I'm thinking, well, wait, if they were at the Final Four, they had a couple NBA players and Fred Van Vliet and Ron, Ron Baker, uh, Clay Anthony Early. I mean, you've had some great players come through there. So in comparing this group to what you've had in the past, uh, how, would you, how, how would you even start to do that because you've had so much great success? Well, I, I, I don't, actually. I mean, you're asking me the question. I really haven't thought about it that much. I know that this team has a lot of ability, a lot of experience and, and depth. Uh, but right now we're not defending at the, the, the level that uh, our program has defended the last five, six, seven years. Uh, we need to continue to get better on the defensive end. Uh, we need to make better decisions uh, with, our, with the ball and, and limit our turnovers to get those numbers down to a more – uh, manageable uh, number, and we'll see. I mean, uh, in the 14, the 13, and the 14 team had three NBA players with Clee Anthony early on that group. So I don't know how many NBA players we've got on this roster, but right now uh, there's, there's a, they've got a lot to, to prove and a lot to accomplish before we can say they're the best. Well, Greg, we appreciate it. Good luck this weekend against UConn. I appreciate it, Andy. Hope to see you soon. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. And when we come back, I'll be joined by West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins. And now joining us here on March Madness 365, West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins. Uh, Hugs, since that Texas A&M game in Germany, you guys have played, I mean, it's been a complete 180, uh, how well you guys are playing since that first game of the season, which is not abnormal, obviously. Well, what's been the biggest difference? 
Well, I think experience. You know, our really our only experience was was JC and Dax. You know, our backcourt. And, and you know, honestly, Andy A and M played terrific. I mean, made a whole bunch of shots, and we we didn't we didn't respond very well, which is kind of you know I think that's what young guys do. I think we've they're starting to mature a little bit more. We can play more guys off the bench now and not not worry about it. Where before, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. So I think it's just more, you know, getting more games and playing more. And we didn't play an exhibition game, which might, may have been a mistake. I don't know. I think at this at that time of the year, you got to you got to play a lot. Right. Uh, Javon Carter just seems like another one of your guys. What makes him such a great fit for you? He's got a great work ethic. He's a guy who's, you know, comes to practice and practices really hard every day and then comes back at night and stays another hour, hour and a half getting shots up or working on his ball handling or working on his passing. I mean, he's he's a throwback guy. I mean, he's just a, he's just a gym rat that, that loves being in the gym. You know, I was thinking back, and I know we've talked about this before, about uh, your decisions to going into sort of the whole press Virginia thing and uh, you've been so excellent, obviously, throughout the course of your Hall of Fame career, which I think will happen uh, here shortly, um, at adapting to the personnel when needed, when you obviously had Kenyon and, and when you've had quicker guards and, and maybe not a great shooting team. Where would you rank sort of that, this decision of moving to the press, Virginia? Wendy, we came off of 13 wins and 17 wins, which was, you know, for us were really, really bad years. And since that time, since we've gone – to the press, we're 90 and 29, playing in the hardest league in America, and we're 90 and 29. So, you know, I think I think it was a it was a great decision. And I got to give Larry Harrison a lot of credit for it, but I think it was a great decision. And you know, I, I'm fortunate I've done this so long. I know a lot of people, and I can't say enough about how much Kevin Mackey helped me in the process. Yeah, that that whole discussion with him. Uh, I'm trying to remember, was it one discussion? Did it happen over time, or how did that whole thing develop? Well, obviously, I know Kevin really well. Kevin and I have been friends for a long time. He was at Cleveland State when I was at Akron. I saw him at the uh, one of the Nike Skill Academies or, or whatever it was, and and uh, I said, Kev, I really need to talk to you. And, and so during a break, we sat and talked for a little while, and then we talked on the phone periodically. Uh, he's been in here uh, to see, obviously, to see JC uh, a couple times, and, and then we, we have an opportunity then to sit and talk about, you know, what we're doing, how we can get better, you know, some, some drills that may help us uh, fix some of the issues that we have. He's been, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's been, he's been uh, more than a very dear friend. He's been a He's he's been a confidant for me. You know, you mentioned the Big 12. I, I was looking at this, and in my Power 36, I had eight of the ten in this week. Um, I, I think all ten go into the conference. Now, all ten won't make it, but with feeling like they have a chance if they do you know, certain things right or get the right record and beat the right teams to make it. How, how would you assess, as you get ready for the Big 12, where this league is at this particular season where all ten – have to at least have that feeling going into the league. Wendy, we open up at Oak State and at K-State, and I've been watching tape of Oklahoma State. You know, they're really good. 
Yep, they're, knocked they're, off Florida State. Oh, they're really experienced. And and Solomon is their uh, Nate Adrian. What Nate Adrian was for us a year ago, mm-hmm. Solomon is for them. I mean, he just does everything for him. He knows schematically what's supposed to be done. He helps the other guys. Jeffrey Carroll's playing terrific. I mean, playing terrific. Lindy Waters has improved dramatically. Uh, Smith has been really good as a fifth-year guy that they picked up. I mean, they're just – McGriff's a great athlete. They've got people coming off the bench. They're good, man. They are they got picked 10th in our league, and I guess it was, you know, we don't know whether the guy can coach or not. I can, I can help him with that now after watching the tape. He can really <laughs> coach. So, you know, I mean, if they're the 10th best team in our league, which they're not – I don't know who is 10, though. Maybe us. Uh, what a great league. To unseat Kansas and prevent them from winning 14 in a row uh, with a league that you may end up losing five or six games to win it, um, and it may be not just one. What, what do you think it'll take? Well, I would say right now, Andy, Oklahoma's the best team in the league. They've got a great coach in Lon Kruger. They've got the best player probably in the country. Um, surrounded by a whole bunch of veteran guys that Lon is kind of you know, nurtured through their their infancy to veteran guys. Now uh, they're they're loaded inside. They 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 just they do a great job with their post guys. And I mean, if I if I had to revote, I'd I'd, I'd pick Oklahoma right now. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill would as well. <laughs> Bill Self, the Hall of Fame. You know, out of your control. But uh, you're now eligible to be inducted or to be picked to be inducted. We'll find out at the Final Four in San Antonio. The fact that you've gotten to this point, uh, and I personally believe and hope that you will get in uh, even on this first ballot, what does it mean to you to at least be at this stage in the process? Well, I, I think there's been some some misunderstanding about what I said. I think someone I saw somewhere where someone said I didn't want to be in the Hall of Fame. That's preposterous. What I said was, it, it's not going to define me. You know, I got into this business, Andy, to, because I, I love basketball. I got into it because I really enjoy working with young people, watching them grow uh, as as basketball players, but more importantly, as people. And the, the relationships that, that I have, like a lot of coaches, what that I have with my former players and the opportunity I get to spend time with them to be able to talk about their life and where they're going and hopefully if they have a problem, help them uh, or a decision to make, you know, kind of help talk them through it. That's the most important thing. Now, being in the Hall of Fame is a big deal. There's there's, there's no doubt about it. It's a big deal for everybody. And I just saw uh, right before the holiday, and you, this is an annual tradition of you guys visiting the hospital with – with uh, children in the hospital. You were Santa this year. You had your players as elves. You know, we've talked before about what you mean and to West Virginia, to the community, and what it means to you. Uh, how much around this time of the year is that something that you look forward to, to sort of, uh, you know, um, engaging with the community, especially children at the hospital, and, and really showing a little bit more of your personality and, and uh, you know, allowing your players to engage uh, with uh, children in the community as well? Well, Andy, I think the misunderstanding is it, it, it's like all of a sudden I became a good guy because I came back to West Virginia, you know. If you talk to the people in Akron, if you talk to the people in Canton, my first job, if you talk to the people anywhere I've ever been, I've always tried to help people. That's that's how I was brought up. That's 
you know, I had no I had no choice in the matter. You know, my my mother and father were huge on, you know, you you get more out of giving than you do out of taking. So, I mean, I, I was raised that way, and and here it's special because we're raising money in my mother's name, uh, who was my best friend in the world, uh, aside from being the person that I admired most in the world. And and we get to raise money, and her name gets to live on. And we're at about, well, we're about $3 million now, which is which is phenomenal. We're getting ready to have the Bob Huggins fish fry and probably have 1,000 to 1,200 people. But you know you know what's really great, Andy, is it's like we play Cal the next day, and Cal's going to come to the fish fry for me. Last year, Brad Underwood came to the fish fry for me. So we can sit down mm-hmm. and kind of have a panel and talk about the state of of college athletics, among other things, and that means that means so much. Uh, I had a roast. I had a roast to raise money, and Frank Martin, Andy Kennedy, Keith Dambrot, Cal. I mean, uh, Tommy Bowden. I mean, it was it was a it was a great deal. But for people, because I know what it is to be able to have to take time, to be able to have to fly somewhere, you know, do the deal. Stay overnight, fly back the next day. You're really, you're really spending two days of your life, and I know how important that is, because I know how guys, how hard guys work in this business, and it's been very gratifying for me. I've certainly got a lot more out of it than anybody else has. Well, Bob, we appreciate it. You guys are off to a phenomenal start yet again. You start the Big 12 play on the road, which has been a, a sort of a tradition because you've sort of requested that to get those two games out of the way on the road, uh, two games in a row, and we look forward to chatting with you throughout the course of the season. Thanks, Bob. Sounds great, Andy. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. You can get our podcast on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast, your favorite podcast. We hope that you make it ours in following college basketball. A happy new year to everyone. We're here every week to discuss the newsmakers in the sport of college basketball as we get closer and closer uh, to uh, March Madness. Uh, We've got conference play starting up here in really in earnest throughout the month of January in the first week or two. College football is ending, so everyone's attention in college athletics will be shifting here to college basketball. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.